check. Hello? Check. Yes, sir. Stupid fancy microphone. How's that? Can you hear me now? I'll talk loud. Um, now, I know what you're thinking. I know. Wow. I mean, that, that video pretty much says it all. I mean, I don't know that I really need to speak now, teach, or say anything else. We should just go directly into ministry time and, and let dozens of you get saved, recommit your life, whatever. I know it's powerful. Uh, it's possible there's a few of you in here who are a little confused. I'll try and go into that in a little bit. But uh, before we get started, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this night. I thank you, Lord, for just another day of life, another day of breath, God. I pray that your spirit would be here, that your truth would be here, God. I pray that you would come and that you would anoint me to speak your word, to speak your truth, God. I pray that you would reveal yourself tonight. And in Christ's holy name, amen. All right, so the video we just looked at. Um, I admit, possibly the most boring talk video illustration you have ever seen. And I recognize that. I I searched long and hard to find just the video. Actually, the video came to me. It's a buddy of mine who was filming that. Um, He was in a car. I I don't know if he was the one filming or if he was the one driving. But the important thing, what makes the video so important is the context of the video. It's not just driving down the road. It's what's going on around him. See, Nathan uh, just spent a year in Iraq. So that was him driving through Baghdad. And, and he was telling me a little bit. He was over at my house a couple of weeks ago. And it was like the week after he got back. And he had all this video. And he was just showing me video after video after video. And they're all just like that. I mean, if you're just looking at them, they are mind-numbingly boring. But he said, telling me some of the mindset of what's going on. Me of, of the IEDs, of improvised explosive devices that, uh, that are targeting U.S. and coalition forces and soldiers over there. And now the last thing I want to do is get into a talk about politics or talk about what you or I think about Iraq. I don't care what you think. I don't, you don't care what I think. That's not what this is about. The idea is, is just that it was there. So he he was telling me a little bit about the mindset of what you do when you're driving through Baghdad is every second you alert, you're looking um, because IEDs are all over the place. Uh, They could be hidden in the ground. Uh, They could be hidden uh, under a pile of trash. It could be another car. It could be a guy with a cell phone. It could be, it could be just about anything. And the, the, uh, the weapons that the enemy are using to try and attack the soldiers are getting more and more advanced. So a lot of times, what they have to do now is each each Humvee is set up with a, a radio scanner and a radio jammer. So what it's doing is it's going through all these various frequencies and it's trying to jam them. Because what somebody can do is they can set up a big old bomb in a crack in the road or in a car beside the road in a pile of trash, whatever. They can set up the bomb, get half a mile away just where they can see the road, and as soon as they see the convoy going near the bomb, they dial something into the phone. Everybody's seen uh, 24, so you should know how that works. Um, 
they set off the code, and as soon as the cell phone goes off, it sends a charge, boom, the whole thing blows up. And one of the reasons that my buddy Nathan was so concerned, I was like, well, I was like, well, did you ever see one go off? He's like, yeah, yeah, I saw a few. I said, well, well, how close? He said, well, the furthest one was about 25 feet. I was like, dang. Well, uh, how, how close was the closest one? He goes, oh, um, less than two feet, definitely. I mean, it was in the blind spot of the car around him. So as soon as it did, windows blew. I mean, the, the windows, uh, uh, windows didn't sh- broke. Uh, said he's, he's lost hearing in part of his ear. He's going through ser- therapy right now, and he's in recovery from this bomb that went off. So you can imagine that he's on guard. He's constantly scanning, constantly looking around, constantly trying to figure out what's going on. I was like, well, dude, how do you, I mean, how do you mentally prepare for that and mentally deal with that kind of stress? And he's like, well, a couple key things that you do. And he said them, and I'm like, wow. Really deep, and the first thing he said is you have to keep moving. You can't stop. Your initial response when you get into a war zone is just to freeze, to duck and cover, kind of stop, drop and roll type, type mentality. It, is you just freeze, and, and he said that's absolutely the worst thing you can do because as soon as you stop moving, you're the proverbial sitting duck. You're just sitting there waiting for somebody to come up and shoot at you or come up and try and blow you up. And he said, beyond that, so, so you can imagine that they have to keep moving. So they can't go slow. They can't just kind of just piddle around and, and get from point A to point B. I mean, they have to smoke it through town, which means you have to be on alert even more because you're going to come up on the bombs even faster. So beyond that, he said, keep moving. And the other thing he said that was so deep, he said, well, you have to, you have to trust your vehicle, you know? He goes, the IED that was closest to us was way. It was practically underneath my car, and I, I'm fine. I survived. It blew out all the tires, um, killed the windows, killed the headlights, killed all the armor, but, uh, but I'm still here. So basically, his car literally took a bullet for him. So you have to trust your vehicle. And, and when he was saying all this stuff, I was just, I was kind of blown away, and I thought, wow, that's, man, that, that's, there's a lot of truths from that that we can get for our walk with Christ, or our um, chasing after Christ. Uh, the scripture that um, Austin read, a.k.a. Tex read, is, uh, you've probably all heard it, maybe not from the message, but it's talking about spiritual armor. And uh, he's talking about, uh, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil and against the devil's schemes. And it talks about the belt of truth, talks about the breastplate of righteousness, uh, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it talks about all these things, and it's all these weapons that we have against, uh, against the enemy. And it just kind of blew me away. We've been talking a lot, about, a lot about missions. We've been talking a lot about the Hollybrook mission, talking a lot about Cuba, a lot about South Africa. And... And probably one of the things that I'm taking away most from the South Africa trip, yes, that was me that was dancing on the video. So I know you're all impressed. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I know, you're all impressed. But uh, the thing I'm going to take away the most from South Africa is, is that kind of mindset. I mean, when you're in, when you decide to pack your bags 
leave your family, leave your friends for a couple of weeks, and go to Africa or go to Cuba. You know, you, you kind of naturally face some resistance. You get some friends who are like, dude, you know Cuba, they're still communist. You know that, right? So that's probably not a good thing. They may not welcome the Christians from America with open arms. So you get kind of the same thing from Africa just because it's so far away. It's, it's Africa. Oh, my gosh. You're going to Africa? That's, that's crazy. So you get that, but you also get kind of this heightened sense of, of things that are going on in the spiritual. This heightened sense of, of a battle that's going around you. When you're in Cuba or when you're in South Africa, all of a sudden things like a team member getting sick, two or three team members getting sick, is something more. It's not just an illness. It's not just kind of an inconvenience. But it's literally, all of a sudden you recognize this and you're like, wow, this, this is attack. This is the enemy trying to slow us down. So your natural response is like, all right, well, let's get in a circle or whatever and, and let's pray. Let's try and, you know, let's, let's heal our team and then go out and heal a bunch of people. But it's that mindset of just immediately you're like, obviously, I want a mission from God, from River City Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And clearly, if there's anything that's going to be slowing me down, it's going to be the enemy that's trying to thwart my mission. He is trying to disrupt what we're trying to do. <clears throat> so things like, uh, things like relationships, people that we meet along the road, all of a sudden they're not just kind of an opportunity for a new friend, but it's an opportunity to welcome somebody into the kingdom. Uh, Tom gave a great kind of example of how awkward it was to walk onto somebody's property that you don't know, walk, ar- walk around to their back door, knock, and say, Hi, we're from America can we spend a couple days with you? We want to learn about your life. We want to learn about um, what, you, what you believe. We want to learn about just everything that is you and, and try and tell you a little bit about, a little bit about us too. Um, there's an incredible awkwardness with that. And, and leading up to it, it, it was kind of like cramming for a final exam because you're like, all right, I'm going to need to know some scriptures. <laughs> So, what's a good one? What's a good one? Okay, uh, Romans Road. There's a good one. That's the plan of salvation. I should know that. I should, I should write that down. Um, all sorts of things. You're like, okay, they worship their ancestors. All right? They, they sacrifice animals to their ancestors. All right, I should probably learn something where it says Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man and that his death was the sacrifice once and for all. I should know these verses. So, we are literally cramming for the final exam. But there's that sense of urgency. There's that sense of mission. And, uh, and when you meet somebody, it's not just to go into their house, have some pineapple Fanta and some really stringy grit-type substance, um, but it's actually going in there and you're bringing the peace of Christ. Where you quote the scripture where it says, when you go into somebody's house and they welcome you, let your peace rest there. And you actually, you actually pray. When you walk into somebody's house, you pray. You put your hand on the door and you, and you pray that the peace of Christ would rest here. You pray a blessing over their family. When you leave for lunch, you say, hey, is there anything we can pray for you about? Anything at all? Uh, are you sick? Do you need a job? Are you lonely? What can, we, what can I pray for you about? How can I share my life with you? 
But the interesting thing is, and it kind of always ends up being this way, but when you get back to town, when you get back to home, you go back to school, you go back to work, you go back to your friends, for some reason the, the urgency just isn't there. Uh, that heightened sense of spiritual battle, of spiritual warfare, just it's just not quite there. I mean, you, you realize, yeah, okay, there's, I'm sure there's a spiritual battle going on, and, you know, if there's extended times where I feel under attack, I'm like, well, okay, that's probably spiritual, spiritual warfare or whatever. But, but that heightened sense, just that walking through with determination, walking life with determination, just, it's just not quite there. And it always kind of happens that way. We always look, if we were to show the video again now, which I don't think we would, but if I were to show that exact same video again, you would look at it differently. All of a sudden, every car that passed is a potential, is potential death. Every person that you see is a potential murderer. Every pile of rocks, every crack in the road, everything that seems un, unusual and everything that is usual is a potential to take you out. And, and there's a, we have a habit of, of stepping off of the mission field and, and making a conscious thing, thing where we step off and we say, listen, I'm not on the mission field right now. I'm at home. There's, that's different. I'm at home. South Africa is the mission field. Cuba is the mission field. Okay, you know, okay, Hollybrook's the mission field. When I go to church, then I'll be on. But for all of us, we step out of it. And we have that, that first view that we had of that video. Everything just kind of becomes boring. There's no sense of urgency. There's no sense of danger. There's no, there's no desire for anything beyond what is, what is seen. And, and I don't think that's the way Christ, I don't think that's the way God wants us to look at life. Um, you know, Tom briefly hit on the argument this morning. There's a lot of people that say, you know what? I mean, you guys spent, you, you sent 12 people to Africa who spent, who raised $2,500 each. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that say, well, dang, come on. I mean, you could just send all that money over there and it would accomplish so much more. Uh, but I just don't. I don't think that's true. I mean, where, first of all, where did the missionaries come from? Where did the ones that sent that are over there now, I mean, where did they feel the call to missions? So there's a lot of people that say that. There's a lot of people that have this view of missions that it's just something, it's better for somebody else, or it's better to somehow separate and categorize our lives, separate and categorize the things of our lives where I can turn it off and I can turn it on. And we have that, we have that view you know, where it's just, there's just nothing really going on. But the truth of the matter is that when we, when we accept Christ, when we take on his name, when we, when we take Jesus' name, we are stepping to a battlefield. And, and that's probably not an appropriate way to say that. We're not really stepping onto a battlefield. We're more changing sides. We're defecting from one army to the other one. And we should be opening our eyes to 
to what is going on around us, to what, to what is happening in, in the physical and the spiritual realms all around us. These are the things that Christ is telling us for. This is what Paul is urging us in this, in this passage. He says, take a stand. So put on the full armor of God so you can take a stand. You don't have to charge hell with a squirt gun. You don't have to personally challenge every atheist to a debate. But he says you have to take a stand. You have to put on the full armor of God and take a stand. At the very end, um, it's Ephesians 6, and in verse 18 it says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. With all these things in mind, be alert. And always keep praying for all of the saints. The message and the point that I want to get across tonight is actually really simple. And that's it, is just that, be alert. You know what, we are, we have defected from one army to another one. And that's certainly going to uh, anger and frustrate the enemy that soldiers have been defecting. Um, so let's not be blind to the schemes of the enemy. Let's not be blind to what he's going to try and do to take us out. And there's that kind of there's that kind of fine line you can run between okay all right well I have to be alert which means look around but I can't just you know I, I can't be so frightened by the by the enemy that I that I don't move that I'm not in action that that, that I'm frightened to inaction that's not the point that's not what Paul is uh, the idea that we get when he says is just to stand is to be on the on the victor side. So you're on the winning side, and you're standing with Christ. Great thing about um, great thing about all the armor that he talks about is that he talks about the helmet, belt, breastplate, uh, sword, shield. All these things cover the front of your body. Nothing he lists mentions anything for the back, and and that was and. And that was intentional by first by the Romans, and then Paul kind of picked up on that. Um, when Paul had written this, he had very recently been under arrest, chained to a Roman guard. So he, he had kind of a good example of what to look at, a good example of inspiration for the armor that he's going to put on. And he noticed that there's nothing on the back. And, and the Romans did that specifically to discourage retreat. Because they said, listen, you covered, we're going to make sure that you are protected by the best that the biggest empire, the most powerful empire can produce. We're going to protect you with that, but only on the front. As soon as you turn your back, well, well then you're not protected. And that's not what, that's not what God is saying to the, to, the, to the letter of that extent. But the idea is still there. I mean, God's not going to... God's not going to give up on you. He's not going to push you over the cliff if you trip and fall. That's not the idea at all. But he does want to dis- retreat. He's calling us to stand, to be alert. He says that I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpent, but as innocent as doves. 
So our job is to go, to be a light, to be alert. And when all, is out, when all else is finished, to stand. So let's close tonight in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this time. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives, for how you're moving. And pray that you would just go with us, that you would help us to stand, that you would help us to be alert. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and stand. And just, um, we're going to have a time now uh, of ministry where uh, you can come forward for any reason and just and just pray with someone. Um, our ministry team, if you if you are if you've been through our ministry training and you're part of the ministry team, we would ask that you would pray with people. If not, we'd ask just that you would receive tonight. That you would just uh, let God speak to you. I, and um, I just feel like we need to pray for for this this unity that comes that Dan's talking about in in our lives. That, that there's not this separation between who I am with these people and who I am with these people. And um, just bringing those worlds together. So let's let's pray and. and have a time for people to come forward and receive. Uh, if you don't want to uh, to pray, you can go to the back. There'll be food back there. Just kind of keep the noise down um, for everybody up here that's that's praying. So let's just invite him right now. God, uh, we ask that you would come and that you would uh, resonate the words that Dan spoke in our hearts. God, that you would uh, equip us. That you would give us eyes to see the battle that goes on around us. And I pray that you would bring a a unity uh, to our lives, that we wouldn't be one person in one situation and another person in the other, that masks would drop. God, that we would see um, the need for you in all areas of our lives. pray that you would meet us right now and speak to us. for your blessings tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
to you. 